0: Hi Helen and Caroline, this is Abby Glassenberg from the While She Naps podcast. Listeners of Love to Sew who would like to have a business in the sewing industry or are just interested in hearing the stories of people who do can tune into my show on the first and third Monday of each month. I talk to lots of movers and shakers, including the founders of Michael Miller Fabrics, the publishers of Roost, Martingale, and CT Publishing, the acquisitions editor at Craftsy, and more. So check out the Wall Street Apps podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Caroline. And I'm Helen. And we love to sew. This is a podcast for makers where we talk about sewing a handmade wardrobe and bring you interviews with
0: inspiring creatives and small business owners in our community. Today, we have Tilly Wands from Tilly and the Buttons on the show to talk about her patterns, blog, and being a new mum. Tilly makes beginner-friendly patterns that focus on sewing a modern and playful wardrobe. Her mission is to inspire others to take up sewing and have fun doing it. I can't believe we got to talk to Tilly. I know. The Tilly. The Tilly Walms. 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 She said the L was an R, but it's like a British R. Walms. Walms. Tilly Walms. Tilly Walms. Walms.
1: Hello, Tilly. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hi, thanks very much for having me. We're so excited to chat with you. Before we get started, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners?
2: Sure. So my name is Tilly Warnes and I run Tilly and the Buttons and we create easy to use, gorgeous guides to sew in your own clothes. So we've got a line of sewing patterns that are both print and PDF. We do online workshops and dressmaking and um, I've written a couple of books as well. So everything we do is designed to get more people inspired to make their own clothes and to give them a joyful experience of sewing.
1: We can't wait to chat with you about your business and your books and everything that you have going on. But before we get there, we would love to hear about your sewing journey. Can you tell our listeners how and when you learned to sew?
2: Yeah, sure. So I learned to sew in I think it was late 2009. And I, I basically just felt like I wanted to do something creative as a hobby I'd always been very arty as a child but then I think like a lot of people I sort of was pushed more into um more sort of in inverted commas serious subjects I was a bit of a swat at school so I was encouraged to do the academic subjects um, and um, away from the arty side of things that I really loved. By the time I was sort of well into my career i just realised that I sort of lost a part of me that I really loved so I wanted to do something creative so I signed up for a sewing class on a whim and just fell completely head over heels in love with it and thought this is my thing I just want to do this the whole time now um so I mean not at the time I didn't think that I wanted to do it as a career but I just was thinking about it all the time and um Every spare minute I had in my free time, I was sewing or reading about sewing or um, fabric shopping. I started a blog because back then, um, it's certainly in the UK, it's very different of culture over here. Uh, People weren't really into sewing. They are now it's become more of a. Uh, a slightly more common hobby over here. But at the time, people just thought I was completely balmy if I told them that I was making my own clothes. So um, I decided to start a blog so that I could connect with people online who understood why I was so interested in patterns and fabric and stitching techniques. Um, yeah, so I started that in, I think it was, yeah, it was 1st of January 2010. I remember because it was New Year's Day and I was really hungover and um, it was it was kind of a dare from my ex-boyfriend to start a sewing blog and um, yeah so that's that's how I started and it was really the blog that encouraged me to keep going because I was documenting everything that I was making so it was a really good way of keeping motivated as well as connecting to other people who are passionate about making clothes um, yeah. So that's
1: how I started. I remember when I started getting into sewing more for myself and discovering the sewing community, your blog was one of the first blogs that I read. I would love to know what the sewing community was like back then, because this was this would have been like 2010, 2011. It was very different.
2: It was so it was 2010. And um, there weren't that many sewing blogs um so we all knew each other we all would read every single word that anyone else wrote and we would leave extremely long comments on each other's blogs there weren't very many sewing patterns. They were, I mean, they, they were all the, the big four or the big one, I guess we should say now because they're um, all one company. Um, and I think Colette Patterns had just started. So we we're all very excited about that. Um, and we're all basically making exactly the same patterns. So one person would make B2401 and then everyone would make it. it yeah, it was it was really nice time obviously very different now because there's instagram and there's vlogs and I'm, I'm excited to see that the, the direction that the online sewing community is going um but yeah it feels extremely different (laughs) to to those days.
1: I remember back then I think it was more around like 2011 2012 that I started getting into it but it still at that time felt so intimate like everybody kind of knew each other like you said so that it's changed a lot since then but I also remember watching you on the Great British Sewing Bee and I wanted to talk about that.
0: We both saw you on that uh, it was the first
2: season of that
1: show right? It was yeah it
2: was the first season so I had not really thought it through, <laughs> or didn't didn't really know what it was going to be like.
1: Can you tell us a little bit more about like your experience being on the Great British Sewing Bee? Oh, what do you want to know? So, like, how did you get on the show, and what was the experience like being on the show? Like, how long did you film for? Was it stressful, uh, that kind of thing?
2: So, how I got on the show was my sewing teacher actually emailed me the application form and said, "I think you should apply for this," and um. I didn't really think that much of it because it hadn't been on TV before, so it it didn't sort of mean that much. But I just thought, oh, that sounds like a really fun thing to be involved with. And I was really keen on inspiring more people to get into sewing. So I thought if if sewing is actually going to be on national TV, then it'd be amazing to be a part of that. So I applied and I think there were about five or six different audition rounds. It went on for about six months I think all the different auditions that you had to do basically looking at your sewing and did you actually know what the techniques were and you had to show some of the garments that you've made and can you accept criticism on them and um, and then there was some filmed challenges so could you talk to the producers as if they weren't really there and you know things like that like could you follow the format that they wanted you to follow and then it was only really last minute I think it was just a few days before they started filming that I got a phone call to say that I was definitely going to be on it so yes yeah, so then the filming itself it was each show they film over two days but it felt like two years it was it was just it was it was so intense because it was a really long day especially the first day because they'd never done it before so I don't think they realized how long everything took so it was we were probably there for about 20 hours and um yeah you're just in this room with about 10 cameras possibly more lots of sound guys um very very hot lights um and yeah lots of other people who are in the same boat as you so you sort of form this instant bond with the other contestants (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> because you're in this very strange situation altogether. but yeah it was really it was really good fun it was um definitely one of those uh, experiences to tell the grandkids
0: <laughs> yeah no kidding and one of my favorite things about the great british sewing bee is how supportive the contestants are with each other because yeah. i'm so used to watching reality shows where people are really really competitive and you know they're going behind each other's backs and trying to screw each other over but with the great british sewing bee it just seems like everyone was there to make the best clothes possible and help each other do that.
1: Oh,
2: definitely. And and actually, even more so than it came across in the edit, because they, I mean, they definitely edit it in a way to tell a particular story and to try and make it seem like there was some competition. I remember particularly there were a couple of the finalists and they sort of made it look like they were being very competitive with each other just in the shots of the way they were looking at each other. But in reality, I'm pretty sure that that did not happen.
1: I can imagine that they would try to edit it to make it seem more dramatic because it makes for better TV.
2: Extremely different to something like Project Runway, of course, where that is all about the drama. Whereas this, yeah, it's very quaint and British. <laughs>
1: It's funny that you mentioned that they had to make sure that you could take criticism. At the time you were just blogging, you hadn't turned your blog into a business yet, right? Did you find it difficult for somebody to critique your sewing work?
2: Yeah, to be honest, it is quite difficult when you're given a very short space of time in which to decide what you're going to do, choose the fabric, find all the notions, cut it out, make it, etc., and be interviewed about it. And you have to do a running commentary to camera while you're doing it. So then it's always quite hard when the judges sort of then come out of the green room where they've been sitting down with a cup of tea to then sort of nitpick something. You kind of want to say... Oh, you do, do that in two hours. <laughs> but the time, of course, you, you're like, oh, yes. Oh, of course. I'll take that on board for next time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to be a good sport about it, right? <laughs> so do you feel like being on the show and having those experience did make you a better sewer? How do you feel like it sort of changed the way that you approach sewing? It definitely made me a faster sewer.
2: So since then, I could insert a sleeve in five minutes, no pins you know just cuz you have to and actually occasionally it has really come in handy as a training ground for um when we do photo shoots for our sewing pattern instructions so our instructions are all done with they're illustrated with photos of each step and we photograph those all in one day so if it's a very complicated pattern i have to make the garment and get it photographed and um i'll also do some edits to the instructions all in that one day. So sometimes it is a little bit of a race to get it all done. So um, yeah, it's good training ground in sewing quickly.
1: So you wrapped up the Great British Sewing Bee, and it sounds like that was a great experience. And what happened next for your blog? And when did the business side of it come along?
2: So the business side of it was, it was kind of a gradual evolution, really. There wasn't any one point where I thought I want this to become a business. But early on, after I started the blog, I began to take it a lot more seriously and wanted to turn it into some sort of resource that was going to inspire more people to get into sewing. So my professional background is in designing training programs. So I was sort of coming at it from that point of view and thinking that at the time, certainly, there weren't very many resources that were aimed at people who were just starting out. A lot of the resources basically assumed that you already knew how to sew, which in the UK, very few people of my generation certainly did know how to sew it's not something we we tend to get taught in school or by our parents so um i'd sort of had this idea in my head of wanting to do something that was going to help people to to get into sewing and i was trying to do that through my blog by sharing um tutorials in a very structured way of how to get started sewing and then the business side of it just sort of it kind of gradually evolved there were things that came along so before the sewing bee there were some uh, book publishers who'd got in touch with me and said that and they thought the blog would make a really good subject for a book and um there were two different publishers actually who had slightly different ideas but basically would I write a sewing book so that was already sort of in the pipeline and um i had just done some pattern cutting training at London College of Fashion and had been making patterns for myself and my readers had been saying oh we'd love to make those as well could you share them with us so I was starting to sort of turn those into pdf downloads for the blog And then it was really um, when those patterns took off and I realised that that actually there was a market for them that I thought, okay, so so I could do some sewing patterns and then do a lot of um, extra online support through the blog as well to sort of, provide more in-depth instructions than you can fit into a pattern and then when the book deal was finalized as well that was the point where I thought okay um I've got enough income now to be able to quit my job and really give this a whirl properly and just and see how it goes and I always had a plan b for if it didn't work out um but but yeah that was the point where I, I thought okay this I can do this seriously now yeah it all sort of happened gradually over quite a few years.
0: We love hearing that people sort of find these things organically because I think it gives you an opportunity to kind of explore your options and just let things grow and you don't necessarily have to have it all figured out when you start something like your business.
2: Yeah, totally. I think I I knew what I wanted to achieve, which was to get more people interested in sewing and to make sewing accessible and inspiring for people, but I did I wasn't quite sure exactly what format that would take. And in fact, it has sort of evolved over time because first it was the blog, then it was the PDF patterns and it was printed patterns, it was books, then it was face to face workshops. Now we do online workshops as well. Um, And there's definitely different things that we could do in the future.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you are a clear point of entry for so many people in the community because your patterns are so beginner friendly and also just the aesthetic of your blog. It's so bright and colorful and friendly and happy. How have you sort of developed that clear brand? Did you have that in your mind from the get go?
2: Yeah. Well, I always knew that I wanted the brand to be quite refreshing i wanted it to look fresh because i think we offer a sort of refreshing approach to sewing um i wanted it to look bright and colorful because our brand is all about sewing for fun it's not about getting absolutely everything right and you must unpick that seam if it's slightly wonky you know because a lot of people had said to me that they had been put off sewing by a really scary sort of overly dogmatic teacher and um, actually the people who who are our customers are doing it for fun, not because they have to. So yeah, and I wanted the patterns themselves to look as beautiful as all the fabrics that you have on your sewing table, which is why they're all sort of full color and they have these inspiring pictures throughout.
1: Yeah, I think I can imagine that the patterns would be, reflect the fabrics on your sewing table my sewing table is a lot of gray and blue so my patterns (laughs) would be that aesthetic I think but I, I wanted to ask would you say that your patterns or the style of your blog and your patterns reflects your personal style or was it more of an aesthetic that you wanted to create for the brand
2: probably a bit of both stripes are definitely my personal style and yeah we have stripes everywhere because I love them <laughs> um and then I did I wanted us to have um to use a lot of graphic sort of angular prints so things like stripes polka dots squares and geometrics rather than sort of ditzy florals and um gingham and things like that because there are other brands who sort of who do a lot of that sort of style, and I wanted it to look a little bit different to that, um, and I also wanted it to look quite modern. So, because I think at the time as well, when I started, there was a little bit of a um, bias against sewing, where uh, a lot of people thought, "Oh, well, if you sew your own clothes, then you're you're taking us back to the 1950s, and you're you know, it's not a feminist thing to do to make your own clothes," which is you know, I that's a totally different subject to, to get into but not something that I agree with at all and um, so I wanted it to look a bit sort of more fresh and modern to say actually this is something that you can do if you're sort of young and, and don't necessarily you know the more traditional sewing resources might not necessarily appeal to you so yeah just appeal to maybe different people
1: Yeah, Helen and I, before we got on the call with you, we were trying to figure out how to describe your style because your personal style, I think you have like a very clear aesthetic. We came up with mod vintage (laughs) because you kind of have like a mod style but also with like a vintagey flair i definitely like mods yeah 60s mod
2: dresses a lot more than fit and flare style um and i i really like 70s denim and basically anything that's sort of um if i've been asked in the past i've said maybe librarian chic or maybe that's not completely accurate yeah sort of slightly preppy modern it's quite kind of London style I guess as well.
0: I was gonna say I do think it, it is a, a good representation of sort of what's popular in the UK as far as sewing and fashion goes for sure and yeah I always see lots of UK mm-hmm. sewists using your patterns yeah. and, and dressing in that style and I just love it it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you
1: still sew a lot for yourself and would you say that you primarily sew your own patterns?
2: So at the moment, I don't sew as much as I'd like to because I've got a seven-month-old baby. But when I do sew... So I did sew something last night, actually, and it was a self-drafted pattern. And then this weekend, coming up, I'm so excited, I booked a workshop uh, with uh, Heather from Closet Case Patterns. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Coming to the UK. And When I saw it, I just really felt like it was the right time for me to do something just for fun for me because I've been spending so much time looking after my little boy and sort of juggling that with the business and everything's really hard so I thought great I'm just gonna tell my partner that I'm having the weekend off and I'm going to this sewing class and because I'm going to be there and not at home it means I will actually do some sewing and make some jeans. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. I mean, Heather is such a great instructor and it's so much fun making jeans.
2: Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be really good fun. And um, yeah, I love what she does. It's brilliant. I love her patterns. I I was just thinking the other day about making some more of the, the, you know, the Carolyn pajamas. I love that pattern. Um, I think I've made it three times and there's, yeah, I would love to do many more versions Mm -hmm. of that.
0: It must be a real challenge when you have such a young child to balance creative hobbies and looking after your family.
2: Yeah, well, that and running a business as well. Yeah, <laughs> And also I'm trying to sell my flat and buy a house at the moment. So everything's just sort of slightly crazy. But oh um, yeah, I sort of think about sewing more than I would like to do it at the moment. But I do try to sort of fit a little bit in. So once he's in bed, um, if I haven't completely collapse if I'm not already asleep I will try to sit down and at least do 20 minutes or something you know even if you can just sew a couple of seams or insert a zip or something then you feel like you've done something for
1: yourself and you're progressing the project I wanted to ask you about running a business with a small child and being a new mom and how do you keep a hand in your business while you're on maternity leave and how did you kind of plan for that in advance while you were expecting It's really hard. I don't
2: <laughs> I don't have an answer for that really because it's so yeah, it's really difficult. It's something I've struggled with a lot. I think I was quite naive when I was pregnant and a lot of people said to me oh it's fine newborns sleep a lot so you'll be able to run your business when he's asleep yeah I don't know about other babies but my baby does not sleep a lot (laughs) um so yeah it's a struggle at the moment I go in one day a week when his dad looks after him and then I try and catch up at the weekends and in the evenings but yeah, it's yeah, it's really hard. I remember just when I was about to have the baby, I went out for lunch with a couple of other people who run sewing pattern companies. So Charlotte from By Hand London and Lisa from So Over It. I remember they were sort of giving me a pep talk about motherhood, and they said, "Oh, but don't worry, it's once you've run your business, it's absolutely fine. Having a baby is so easy compared to that." So I just thought, "Oh, it's going to be a breeze." But yeah, it, the first few weeks are really really tough and trying to sort of keep everything going in the business as well is, is extra hard especially because as a, a small business owner you can't completely let go and you can't really properly go on maternity leave you can sort of put things in place with the team to sort of get on with stuff as best you can but ultimately the buck stops with you and you're the one that's going to be awake in the middle of the night worrying about you know, keeping the lights on and things. So yeah, so it's really hard.
1: Oh yeah, no, of course, and I can imagine that it would be stressful to step away, but still feel like you have to kind of have your finger on the pulse at all times. So I'm sure that you're doing a great job. <laughs> I can tell that it it sounds hard. I think it's more just
2: sort of doing the absolute essentials. So things like doing the banking, you know, paying the bills and. Um, uh, sorting out staff and things like that that you really have to do that you can't just sort of neglect and of course I want to do the best job I can so but you have you have to just let go of things and um and trust things aren't going to completely collapse and luckily I've got a really good team who all of them want to do a really good job and are really good at what they do so luckily you can I can sort of step away a bit of course you can't completely leave it
1: Can you tell us a little bit more about your team right now, who you have working with you and what their different roles are for the company?
2: Yeah, sure. So we have a sales and communications manager called Louise. So her role is twofold. She does the wholesale sales. So that's where where she deals with our stockists. We've got about, I think it's about 200 shops around the world that sell our sewing patterns. So she deals with them. Um, And then she also does quite a lot of our marketing. So looking after our online shop. and Writing our newsletters. And then we have an office manager called Katie. So she is the person who answers any customer service emails that we get. So if you've emailed us, it's probably Katie who has replied to you. So she also sorts out back office things like tech, um, things like website issues, and she supports our accountant doing the finance. And then when we do shows, she organises those and all the logistics. And then we have an assistant called Jenny and she's the one who processes and packs all the orders from our online shop and also the orders to our stockists. And she looks after our studio and then she also does sort of other bits and bobs like assisting with our photo shoots. And then um, we did have a pattern cutter who also sewed our samples and answered sewing queries that we got by email and she formatted all our patterns and everything. But she has recently moved abroad. She's been doing a little bit of freelance work with us but um yeah we are gonna have to get someone new to be based in the studio. So um so that's a job that's sort of that's open at the moment. If anyone wants to apply that sounds like an amazing job it's a really good job and um and when she when she left, basically she didn't want to leave she wanted to do it from abroad and um, because she said it, it's so rare that because she came from the fashion industry and it's so rare that there's a job where you get to be the pattern cutter but also do the sewing and um be involved in making sewing patterns and the home sewing community and she She was brilliant at what she did and she absolutely loved it. And it is is a dream job for someone who is into pattern cutting but also wants to see those patterns through. A bit further along in the production.
1: Yeah, it's true that in the indie pattern world, there are these jobs that are so unique to our industry. And sometimes that makes them difficult to fill. But also, when you find the right person, mm-hmm. I think it's such a cool job and such a cool industry to be working yeah. in. So I hope that you don't have any trouble filling that position. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people yeah. interested.
2: <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I'm a bit nervous about trying to find the right person.
0: So you've been running this business for a while now, and now you have this new baby and your life is changing a lot. I'm curious to hear how you kind of stay excited and motivated about your work and if that's ever been a struggle for you or if you've ever fallen into the comparison trap with all of the other indie pattern designers out there. I think that's two questions in one, isn't
2: it? <laughs> so the first, first part of how do I stay inspired? I, I mean, I've never... I've never not felt inspired, really, because I just I love what I do. I feel so lucky to be able to do what I do. And uh, yeah, I mean, I still sort of keep up. No matter how busy I am, I will keep up with what's going on in the sewing community, at least through Instagram, if nothing else, because I can do that really, really quickly. And I just love seeing what people make. I love seeing other patterns that are released I love seeing fabrics and yeah I'm I'm still extremely inspired and and motivated in my business as well because um I just think there's so much more that we could do in the future and it's got so much potential to continue to grow and and I just love running a business as well it is really hard work but it's just ultimately so rewarding and so much fun Um, And what was your second question? So it was, how do I avoid falling into the comparison trap?
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Which you mean with other pattern companies?
0: Yeah, with other pattern companies or just with people in general, we've talked a lot about comparison on the show and how it can sometimes take the joy out of being creative or even, you know, make you struggle a bit in your life when you start comparing yourself to others.
2: I don't, I've never really had a problem with comparing myself to other people's businesses because I know a lot of people say that they don't like sort of looking at people who are further along than they are because it makes them feel bad about what they're doing I I just think about it in a completely different way I love following people who are more successful than me and whose business is further along because it just really inspires me to to keep going and to keep growing I love in the sewing community but also outside of it I just love following really successful um, bloggers and, and women who are running creative businesses and just seeing how they're growing that business where they're taking it how they're inspiring their customers and yeah I just think it's such an exciting time that we can connect to people online in such a sort of authentic way and and that a lot more women are taking something that they're really passionate about and growing that into a viable business that is is changing people's lives I just I just find it so inspiring
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I love your perspective of looking at other businesses that are even more far along than you are and looking to them for inspiration. I think that's such a positive spin (laughs) on that whole comparison trap. And I really, really love that. I am wondering if you have any advice for hobby sewists out there that are thinking about turning their passion into a business in a saturated market. I mean, our market is still growing, but there are so many pattern companies out there. So how do you... Set yourself apart, or how can somebody set themselves apart in this sewing world?
2: So, I think "saturated" is a word that is used quite a lot in referring to the the sewing community, particularly um, sewing pattern companies. But I don't think it's saturated at all. I mean, if you look at the fashion industry and how many different brands there are in the fashion industry, all offering something quite similar and then compare it to sewing, I mean, I just think there's still so much space for us to grow for this sector to evolve. It's still very, very niche, what we do. So yeah, first of all, I don't think it's, I don't really think it is saturated. So if some someone wanted to start um, a sewing pattern company, then there's definitely scope to do that. I think it's important to define what your brand is so by that I mean what do other people think when they look at your company what impression are you giving them of your company and what you're offering so what is your style what is your niche how do you do things a little bit differently so yes so defining your brand and what you want to achieve and then also yeah not getting hung up on what other people are doing and just focusing on what you're doing and what you want to do and not thinking that you have to run your business the same way that other people are running their businesses and yeah I'd also say look outside of the sewing sector for inspiration think about what are people doing in other fields and what can you learn from that and also yeah just to to start because you you have to start somewhere. And it is scary putting an idea out into the world. But it's only when you've actually started to try to sell a product or a service, that you start getting proper customer feedback, you know, not surveys or people doing a poll on Instagram and saying, yeah, I would buy that. I mean, like, are people actually going to get their wallet out and spend money with you? And then what do they say about that product or service after they've spent money it's only when you've really put something out into the world that you learn actually what makes a good product or service how can you make it better how can you run your business better how can you get systems and processes in place to run more efficiently yes just to start as scary as it sounds just to do something and it doesn't have to be perfect at first because you learn by putting something out there and you're just sort of improving it bit by bit
0: that's really great advice. Yes, thank you so much. And speaking of that community aspect, one of my favorite things about your blog and your patterns and your books is that you have people modeling your clothes who are members of the community. How did you connect with those people? And why do you feel it's important to show your clothes on real women and real bodies?
2: That started almost by accident actually because originally I was modelling the clothes myself just because when I started doing them I was just working from home and I was doing pretty much everything myself and so I just had the camera on tripod turned on me on on timer and then um, it got to the point where I thought okay I don't want to be modelling them anymore I want to be the person behind the camera uh, you know not the photographer but I want to be more of the sort of Behind the scenes, business person, um, and I want to get a wider range of models so that you know people look different. There's a bit of diversity, and so more people can relate to the models that we have. And then I think it was two or three shoots down the line when we were at a show. So there are various of sewing shows over here in the UK. This girl came up to the stand and you know when you just have this instant girl crush on someone and you're just like oh my god she's amazing I can't stop looking at her and she just seemed to epitomize our brand or what I wanted our brand to be she was wearing this like little denim button-up skirt and this yellow anorak with a polka dot lining that she'd made herself and she just looked so adorable and she was sort of spending ages at our stand buying loads of patterns and things and and um just before she left I plucked up the courage to ask her if she'd ever done any modeling <laughs> would she mind modeling for us and then it turned out that actually she was a sewing vlogger which I didn't know and um, she's called Rosabella Riddington and she's got a sewing vlog called sewn and she's amazing so that's how it started and then since then it sort of inspired me to just sort of keep an eye out for other people who sew who could model for us so especially at shows and things if people come up I'm always sort of like thinking oh would that work with this dress or also on Instagram there are a few people I've got my eye on at the moment Uh, I sort of think oh she'd be really good for modeling this pattern we've got yeah so we try to sort of get a a wide range of people because it's really hard to get professional models firstly that don't charge tens of thousands of pounds for a shoot but secondly who uh, just look a bit different you know that don't look like a model they're not really slim and tall someone who just looks a little bit more relatable like someone you would know
0: yeah, I can imagine it is a challenge. I think in the modeling industry, there's kind of the two sides of the spectrum where there's the really super skinny fashion models, and then the more plus size fashion models, and it's hard to get that mid range, you know, like a size ten or twelve. It's difficult to find.
2: Mm, yeah, but also you're sort of limited if you work with the modeling agencies where you could actually, you know, specify size, etc. And um, you're very limited in what you can use the photos for. So because we're going to be using um, the pictures for a long time. It's not like this is this season's collection and we're going to be putting it on the website for two months and then it's gone. We want our patterns to have longevity. So yeah, it's quite hard to conform to those terms that you would get with a, a traditional modeling contract. So it's better for us to use yeah, non-professionals and, and pay a set fee on the understanding that we can sort of come to our own agreement about what we can use the images for.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think it's also just kind of a win-win for you and for the community as well, because I'm sure that the these women who are in your books and on on your website and uh, in all of the social media for your patterns and things like I'm sure they're really proud to be there and represent your brand and wear your clothes too and have that bigger part in the community. So. They love using
2: the photos on their blog or, or whatever and we're, we're happy for them to do that and it's just a really fun day when we do the model shoot so uh, yeah it's it's a, yeah it's definitely a win-win situation
0: Okay, I want to talk about your books. I can't wait any longer. <laughs> you just put out a new book called Stretch. Can you tell us a bit about that?
2: Yeah, sure. So this is my second book, and it's all about making really comfortable, wearable clothes in stretchy knit fabrics. So it, it starts by introducing you, if you've never sewn with knit fabrics before, it gives you a whole introduction to sewing with them, either on a regular sewing machine or or on an overlocker or serger if you have one Um, you don't have to have one but if you do it tells you how to thread it how to troubleshoot it and all the things that a lot of people are a little bit scared of and then it also includes lots of sewing projects so it's got uh, full size patterns in the back of the book and lots of variations and hacks that you can do on the project so if you already know how to sew with knits you can just dive straight into making the patterns and um there's also lots of tips and tricks on different kinds of fabrics like how to sew with sweatshirt fleece or stretch velvet things like that I love it I'm super proud of it it's
0: um yeah it's great I love the patterns I wear them all the time I'm particularly smitten with the one that you're wearing on the cover with the cross front and it's in a stripe, of course, and it just looks so great on you.
2: (laughs) Oh, thank you. That's the Joni dress. So it's got a twist front bodice, which is one of those garments that it looks quite complicated to make, but it's actually relatively simple. I think people will be pleasantly surprised when they make it that once they see how that twist comes together. But yeah, I was nearly eight months pregnant when that photo was taken. (laughs) I was this one sitting behind a table.
1: <laughs> oh, you look great on that cover. On your first book too, I absolutely love the cover of your first book. Love it first stitch.
2: I'm wearing stripes as well. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's true. But yeah, if any of our listeners are interested, we're definitely going to link both of the books in the show notes if they want to check them out. I'm curious about the process of writing and publishing a book. Does it take up all of your time? <laughs> like what is that process or what has that process been like for you? So the
2: first book, yeah, it took all of my time. So I, I wasn't really doing anything else at the time. I quit my job in order to write it. And then I was just blogging twice a week. So I sort of would do that really quickly, and then um, spent all my time writing the book. I don't think I went outside for six months, didn't wash my hair or anything, just like, <laughs> wrote the book. And then the second one was a bit different, because I was already running the business. So I did have other things that I had to do. But then on the other hand, I had a team who could help me. So the first one, I was doing all the patterns and sewing all the samples and everything myself whereas with the second one um we had Vanessa so she made the patterns to my designs and um she sewed a lot of the samples so that took a big load off so I could focus on actually doing the writing and the design and so it's a lot of coordination as well because you've got to source all the fabrics you've got to make sure they all work together think about the colors on the page how that's all going to work together you've got to obviously design all the patterns and all the variations you've got to write all the instructions and everything and then there's so much back and forth with the editor the publishers graders the marketing sales team press there's yeah there's lots going on you've got to coordinate the photo shoots and sort out the models and everything but luckily by the time of the second book I already had a lot of experience of doing that with our own sewing patterns so I felt quite confident doing that it's massive definitely a massive learning curve when you're just starting out but um, it's also a lot of fun I just felt like a real privilege to be able to do it and yeah it just came together both of them actually came together really well and I'm just really pleased with how everything went really yeah very nice enjoyable process but it definitely very tiring and not something that I'm about to start again in the next couple
1: of weeks Yeah, it sounds like a lot of work to me, but it's nice to hear that you found it really rewarding and worthwhile. I'm curious about the book Stretch. Is it similar to Love It First Stitch in that it's taking a really beginner perspective to the process and kind of showing people how to sew with knits from the very, very bottom up? So it can be, yeah. If you haven't sewn with knit
2: fabrics before, then it is a bit like a course on sewing knit fabric. So the introductory chapters will teach you all about the techniques needed to um to sew the fabric but also cut it out, handle it, also how to choose knit fabrics when you're shopping for them, and then the projects start in the same way to at Love at First Stitch with a very simple pattern to sort of build up your confidence and relatively simple fabrics so pomity or double knit which is sort of a relatively easy to sew knit and then um they get more complicated as you go through so a lot of people would literally read love at first stitch from cover to cover and make each project in turn following the order of the book so I wrote the second book so that you could definitely do that if you're completely new to knit However, if you already know how to sew with knits and you're really confident sewing them, then there's just lots of sort of extra tips and tricks that you might not know. But also you've got all the patterns. There's six patterns in the book and variations. So you can make a whole wardrobe full of really comfy clothes to wear every day.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that I love about the new book and how you are promoting it is that you also have some knit fabrics that you're offering to your customers. So you had some in your shop. I'm not sure if they're still there. Are they still available?
2: At the time of recording, there are some still available. <laughs> um, we we sort of wanted to have a, like, a, almost like a pop-up shop, a sort of temporary almost like an experiment really to see if there's something that we want to do in the future we might do another one in the autumn for example where just for a short period of time we have some knit fabrics available because a lot of people say to me oh I'd love to make this pattern but Um, I don't know which fabric to get or I'm I'm struggling to get something suitable or can you recommend something and it's quite hard to get hold of certain types of knit fabrics in interesting prints for example especially in the UK so I thought oh if I order some then people will know that um, these are ones that we recommend for the patterns in the book plus it's just really fun we're we're trying in the office we're trying not to buy them all ourselves because (laughs) we just we just absolutely love them. They're so nice. We've got like all these glittery sweater knits and these really soft fleeces. And oh, yeah, just want to make all the things of them.
1: Oh my gosh, I feel you on that. Having a fabric shop is a struggle oh, on a daily basis. I not to take a cut of everything <laughs> I know, I
2: know. I told myself before we opened the shop, I told myself I was allowed one piece of fabric, uh, especially because I don't have much sewing time at the moment with the little one. So um, yeah, I took one piece, which I instantly made into a Freya top. But yeah, now I nearly took some home today. I'm probably going to take some this
1: weekend because there's just too much nice stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's so hard to resist. Another thing I wanted to ask you about is social media for your business. I know you kind of make an appearance on stories once in a while, but I'm curious, do you still take care of all of your own uh, social media? I'm mostly curious about Instagram because I think that's where so much of the action happens.
2: Yeah. So at the moment, I I do all our Instagram. Um, We do a little bit of Twitter and Facebook, but um, Instagram is our main social media outlet. And yeah, that is me. He does it.
1: Yeah. And is that important to you to kind of keep control of that aspect of your business because you have such a clear brand and aesthetic and I think you are the face of your business in a lot of ways? Was that a conscious choice to keep on that part of it?
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, it's partly because it is really important for our business and it's just partly because I really love doing it it also keeps me in touch with our customers and what else is going on I think especially when you step away from other areas of your business like for example I don't do our customer service emails anymore because we have someone who does that I don't deal with our stockists directly anymore we have someone who does that It is important to keep an ear to the ground so that you can hear what people are saying and get feedback, see what people are excited about, see what questions people are asking that you can help with. Because it just helps me to come up with ideas for what we should be offering in the future that is going to be helpful for people. Plus, it's just really fun. I love it.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you really enjoy that aspect of uh, the business, but I'm also curious if you ever kind of struggle with it, because I know I do with my business, putting myself out there and being the face on social media. If you do struggle with that, how do you handle it?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. I don't know if i say it's a struggle, but it's a bit of a weird one because I started off as a blogger and um it was a personal blog about sewing and i was sharing things that i had made so there were lots of photos of me and my thoughts and then it became a business and you sort of have to kind of make it a bit less about you and more about the customer and then also it just got to the point where i just felt like i don't i don't want to be sharing my personal life with people I want some privacy I want to build a brand and I do share certain things about my life just because um, you know people are interested in people and um, I love being part of a community and I love knowing something about the people behind the, the brands that I enjoy but yeah, it's a weird one. I was thinking the other day, or oh, maybe I should start a personal Instagram account. But to be honest, I don't think I would ever post to it because I'm not, you know, I hate Facebook. I'm not into sort of documenting my life. And I was going to say where I've been out on Saturday night, but I don't go out on Saturday night because I just run my business and look after my baby and that's it. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I would want to share more person in the future. I don't really think I would. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's an odd one. It's an odd balance to strike, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. And another thing that I wanted to ask you about social media, and you kind of touched on it a little bit already. With such a large audience and fan base, how do you remain engaged with your customers while not spending like all of your time on social media?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's a struggle, isn't it? So with Instagram the clues in the title it's instant it's very quick it is easy to just sort of dip in and out when you have a a minute so yeah I think that is a really nice way of being able to sort of stay engaged with your customers and check what they're interested in what are they getting excited about um how do I avoid spending all of my time on social media I don't
1: Okay. So we also wanted to kind of ask you like some bigger picture questions to sort of wrap up the interview today, because you've been doing this for so long and you've done so many different things and experimented with different things for your business. So what I want to know is, what would you say has been your biggest challenge uh, over the years with your business?
2: Oh, biggest challenge. Um, I guess it is not being able to do everything. And having to make hard decisions about what you say yes to and what you say no to. Learning to say no was a really big one, especially in the early days when I didn't get any income from the blog, but had a large audience nonetheless. So I was getting hundreds of emails every day from people who wanted help with whatever their thing was and um, I guess as a people pleaser I wanted to reply to everyone and I wanted to help everyone yet I also had to earn some money to pay my rent and eat and I found that really difficult and then as then I, I learned quite quickly that I had to just say no and I had to be really ruthless about what I spent my time on and then as the business grew it's then not being able to do everything yourself because there's too much work and um, taking the risk of hiring people having salaries to pay and um, trusting other people to to do the work to um, a really high standard and then yeah it's kind of continued to be an issue really because even though I have a team now, and the team are amazing, they do a really amazing job, the business keeps growing, and there's always too much to do. So, um, And there's always too much that I'm doing. And as the business owner, I'm ultimately responsible for everything. So um, it's, it's quite a lot of pressure, and it's a lot of stress having to sort of manage the production and the operations and the marketing and you know everything yeah so it's not something I think where you hire someone and then you've solved all your problems and everything works out magically and you get to have the weekend off I think as a a small business owner you're constantly just working really hard and just worried about the business the whole time Yeah, so that is probably the biggest challenge.
1: Yeah, I can relate to that as well. I've noticed with each hire, I have two girls working for me right now and I'm thinking about hiring somebody else. Um, And it always feels like, okay, after my next hire, I'm going to feel a little bit less stressed and have a little bit more time and not have to work over the weekends. But I guess it's comforting to know (laughs) that that's a normal thing that a lot of business owners struggle with. And I think over time it gets easier. Yeah, I don't think there is any one answer.
2: I mean, my boyfriend was saying this to me the other day, because I was saying, I just need to hire someone who can just run all the operations side of my business, because I can't do everything. And if they do all that side of things, then I can focus on the content and products. And he said, yeah, but then you're going to have to manage that person and you're going to have, you know, it's not going to solve everything. There's still going to be, you're still going to be worried about it because it's your business. Um, I think that's true, but you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) I still, I still love it.
1: In the same vein, I'm also wondering what would you say has been your biggest accomplishment in your business? Oh,
2: um, biggest accomplishment, probably I guess some people maybe would expect me to say the books, but and I'm really proud of them, but um, just some of our patterns as well. I just, I love it when we sort of work so hard on a pattern and then it just becomes super popular and sort of almost takes on a life of its own. And it's just amazing seeing what people make with our patterns. I just, I love it. That's part of the reason that I do our Instagram still, just because I love seeing how people put their own spin on it and the fact that they've sat down with one of our products and taken the time to to read what I've written and, um, and make something and choose fabric to go with it and then to wear the thing they've made. It's just, yeah, it just feels amazing. Especially when it's, it's something that just becomes really popular and you didn't necessarily expect it.
0: Yeah, that's my favorite part too, especially this time of year, because we're in May and people are wearing their clothes every day and tagging us every day with stuff that they're wearing. And it's just, it's so much fun to open my Instagram in the morning and see everyone's outfits. And if they're wearing my patterns, it's best feeling in the world. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely. So Tilly, we would love to hear if you have anything coming up or what's next for Tilly and the Buttons? what's next so we are currently putting the finishing touches to two summer patterns
2: so they're going to be coming a little bit later in the year which are gorgeous really excited about them one of them is a sort of quite easy to make nice quick project um that's very wearable the kind of thing I love to wear um and that i think is going to be really popular but I always do this I sort of I'm not that good at predicting which ones are going to be really popular but I think I think this one follows the magic formula I <laughs> worked out um and then the other one is not to give too much away to want a surprise but it's it's sort of it's quite 70s inspired sort of quite flirty very summery yeah wear it to a picnic with your espadrilles and you know, a jaunty hat on your head and uh, (laughs) (laughs) your sunglasses. (laughs) I'm really excited
1: about that one.
0: (laughs)
2: Mysterious.
0: (laughs) That all sounds really wonderful. And Tilly, thank you so much for coming on the show today and chatting with us. It was really great to get to know you.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. I really love listening to your podcast. So yeah, keep up the good work. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. And where can our listeners find your website and your Instagram so they can follow along with you? Sure. So our
2: shop, which has got all our patterns and fabrics and our books and online workshops, is shop.tillyandthebuttons.com. So it's T-I-L-L-Y. And our blog is tillyandthebuttons.com. And then on Instagram we are at TillyButtons.
0: Wonderful. And thank you again. And best of luck with your new patterns. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
1: That's it for today's episode of Love to Sew. You can find me, Caroline, at
0: blackbirdfabrics.com and Helen at helenscloset.ca. We're recording today in sunny Vancouver, Canada, and you can get links for everything we talked about in this episode at lovetosewpodcast.com. And if you're loving the show and want to help us out, you can support us on Patreon.
1: If you contribute $5 or more a month, you'll get access to our bonus episode feed. Go to patreon.com slash lovetosew for more info.
0: And send us your questions about sewing at Podcast podcast.com slash question, or better yet, leave us a voicemail at one 844 what That's 1-844-739-9428. And we might even answer your question on the show. Ooh, thank you guys so much for listening
1: and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh my God, Tilly. Tilly. We love you, Tilly.
0: What do you think the buttons are in the Tilly and the buttons? The buttons? Like the actual buttons. It's the buttons. Like the real buttons? I don't understand the question.